I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church, and I welcome you to Episode 7 in the fourth edition of the AIC Bible Study video series, The New Testament Gospels. In Episode 7, I begin an introduction to the Gospel of St. Mark, including its authorship, time frame, language, intended audience, and style, and the start of a discussion of St. Mark's themes beginning with Jesus as servant. At the end of the episode, I will point out where material presented in episode 7 is discussed in the new AIC bookstore publication, The Gospel of Mark, Annotated and Illustrated. The name Mark is derived from the Roman Marcus, which in turn was derived from a similar Greek name. In both languages, the name means hammer. Although he is not identified in the text as the author, early tradition credits the work to John Mark, the son of Mary, the sister of Barnabas, who at various times was a follower interpreter of St. Peter. He may also be the same naked young man who in Mark 14, verses 51 to 52, is depicted clad only in a linen cloth and who escapes capture. John Mark is also mentioned in Acts 12, verses 12 and 25, Acts 13, 5 and 13, Colossians 4, 10, 2 Timothy 4, 11. Mark and Paul were estranged for some time, but Mark's reconciliation with St. Paul is mentioned in Philemon 24. In 1 Peter 5, 13, St. Peter calls him, my son. The illustration is an especially fine illumination in tempera and gilt on parchment made in the 11th century at the Reichenauer Monastery on Lake Constance in Reichenau, Germany from the Reichenau Gospels made for the Ottonian dynasty, successors in the line of Holy Roman in the Holy Roman Empire founded by Charlemagne in Western Europe in 800 AD. St. Mark looks upward at a winged lion who is his traditional symbol in Christian art based upon imagery from Ezekiel 1.10. This digitized version is from the collection of the Walters Art Gallery, Baltimore, Maryland. Among the early church leaders who accepted that St. Mark was the author were Papias, Bishop of Hierapolis around 140 A.D., Irenaeus of Lyon around 180 AD, and Clement of Alexandria around 200 AD. An early work called Prologue to Mark, published at Rome between 160 and 180 AD, also credited the work to Mark, as did Justin Martyr in the 2nd century and the Roman historian in North Africa, Tertullian, around 200 AD. In the illustration, a temper and gilt-on panel icon in the Cretan style of Byzantine art by Emmanuel Zanus depicts St. Mark seated with a lion holding the gospel book open to the gospel of St. Mark at his feet. Eastern Church Christians honor St. Mark as the founder of the first Christian community at Alexandria, Egypt, which with Antioch, Constantinople, Jerusalem, and Rome were of the five original sees or jurisdictions of the early church. 
The Egyptian and Ethiopian Coptic churches still use a variation of an early liturgy named after St. Mark. The salutations and versicles in Anglican morning prayer are derived from that liturgy of St. Mark. St. Mark was the patron saint of the city-state of Venice, which used the lion as its symbol. The Gospel of St. Mark, considered by many to be the first written of the three synoptic Gospels, most likely between 60 and 62 A.D., three decades after Jesus' resurrection. Tradition says that St. Mark wrote his Gospel under the direction of St. Peter, a tradition supported by the writings of Justin Martyr around 150 A.D. and by the eyewitness detail in many scenes in the text. The year of St. Mark's death traditionally is given as 62 A.D. after he had named Bishop Anianus as his successor as Bishop of Alexandria. After the fall of Constantinople to Muslim dominations in the middle 1400s, the remains of St. Mark were taken from Alexandria to Venice, where they were installed in the Basilica of St. Mark, built in the Byzantine church style in the 9th century. Some of the remains of St. Mark were returned to the Coptic Orthodox Church at Alexandria in 1968 A.D. The feast day of St. Mark on the Anglican calendar is April 25th. The illustration is a tempera and gilta, minuscule on vellum from a gospel book made at the Coquino Baphos Monastery, Constantinople, around 1285 A.D. It was smuggled to Rome early in the 16th century and ended up in England and is now known as the Guest Coots Gospel in the British Library, London, England. All the surviving manuscripts of the Gospel of St. Mark are in Greek. The writing style is described as simple but elegant Koine Greek, also called the Septuagint style. The oldest manuscript of St. Mark's Gospel, including the Codex Sinaiticus and the Codex Vaticanus, end at chapter 16, verse 8, but all other manuscripts include chapter 16, verses 9 to 20, the account of the post-resurrection appearance of the risen Christ, the Great Commission, and the Ascension. The Church accepts Mark 16, verses 9 to 20 as divinely inspired. The illustration is an illumination in tempera and gold on parchment from the Garima Gospels attributed to Abu Garima, a revered monk in the Ethiopian Orthodox tradition. It is one of the oldest surviving images of St. Mark. For security reasons, the Ethiopian church does not identify the location of its most valuable religious objects. St. Mark wrote his gospel for a different primary audience than did St. Matthew, that is, Gentiles, especially persecuted Christians in the Roman Empire and most especially those at Rome. Where St. Matthew used extensive references including direct quotations and scriptural allusions to Hebrew history, traditions, and scripture, St. Mark included only two direct quotations from the Old Testament. He, is also, he also assumed that his readers had some knowledge of Christian history and doctrine. 
The best proof of this is that he offered no introductory material concerning John the Baptist, who appears in the first eight verses. The illustration is the opening page of the Gospel of St. Mark in the Reichenau Gospels, an illuminated gospel book on parchment made at the Reichenau Monastery, Lake Constance, Reichenau, Germany, between 1030 and 1050 AD for the Ottonian dynasty of the Holy Roman Empire from the copy in the collection of the Walters Art Gallery, Baltimore, Maryland. St. Mark's content differs dramatically from that of St. Matthew, where St. Matthew included long discourses and many parables by Jesus. St. Mark includes only the most essential points and only four parables. St. Mark's style is terse, to the point, straightforward in the manner of an eyewitness account. It is the shortest of the four Gospels. He accomplished this by condensing the timeline, offering no genealogy and no nativity narrative. John the Baptist and his baptism of Jesus are described in the first 11 verses, where John the Baptist does not appear in St. Matthew's Gospel until the start of chapter 3. St. Mark's version of Jesus' discourses with the public and with the disciples are framed to include direct quotations to which answers are immediately provided, many spoken by Jesus himself. St. Mark uses immediate or immediately more than any other gospel author. The illustration is an illumination from the Freeling Gospels, made at Freeling, Germany around 875 A.D. in the style of the Carolingian Holy Roman Empire began in 800 A.D. by Charlemagne in a copy from the collection of the Walters Art Gallery in Baltimore, Maryland. The themes of St. Mark's Gospel are also quite different than those found in St. Matthew's work. St. Mark starts his narrative when Jesus is a mature adult and presents him as a suffering but humble servant of his father. More than any other evangelist, St. Mark focuses on the miraculous events in Jesus' life, including 18 specific accounts of divinity demonstrated in several different categories. These are the focus of episodes 8, 9, and 10. Two other constant themes underlining the, underlying the whole narrative are first that the good news or gospel, meaning the offer of salvation through Jesus Christ, is now available to all, to the Gentiles, or in the Hebrew, the nations. And second, the power of faith, demonstrated in the narrative of the feeding of the 4,000 in chapter 8, in which Jesus focuses on the power of faith by referring back to the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. The illustration for this on the next slide is a miniature illumination by Pacino di Buonaguida from a tribute book made in northern Italy in the region of Tuscany between 1335 and 1350 AD, showing Jesus carrying an ecclesiastical labarum with serpent and a flag with a cross, symbolic of the gospel message. 
the Emperor Constantine created the idea. His labarum bore the logo, the Cairo logo, and a flag on a horizontal bar. We begin our examination of the text of the Gospel of St. Mark with a discussion of the first theme, Jesus as a suffering but also humble servant of his Father. St. Mark opens in the first verse with some important key words and concepts interpreted as a message for the faithful. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Like St. Matthew's account, St. Mark calls his story a gospel from the Greek word meaning good news. There is a sense of immediacy when St. Mark identifies Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ using the Greek title, which has the same meaning as the Hebrew title Messiah, also called the Anointed One in the Old Testament, meaning the one sent from God who would save the people. He boldly identifies Jesus as the Son of God. After this minimal but bold preamble, St. Mark introduces his only direct quotations of the Old Testament using the Septuagint or LXX text in verses 2 and 3. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. The quotation is Malachi 3.1 concerning the messenger who will prepare the way and Isaiah 40 verse 3 referring to the one who cries in the wilderness. The illustrations are circa 1310 AD tempera and gilt on wood panel painting of Malachi by Duzio di Buonensena at the Museo dell'Opera del Duomo, Siena, Italy and a second quarter 12th century temperer and gold on parchment illumination from Isaiah from the Siegberg Lectionary, made at the Benedictine Abbey, Abbey of St. Michael, Siegberg, Germany, from manuscript Harley 2889 Folio 3V in the British Library, London, England. Where St. Matthew took up the three chapters on genealogy and the meaning of the name Jesus, before getting to Jesus' ministry as an adult with his baptism, St. Mark introduces John the Baptist, or John the Forerunner in the Eastern tradition, in the fourth verse of chapter 1, saying, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. The absence of any other introductory material about John the Baptist indicates that St. Mark assumed his readers already knew of him. The illustration is Jesus visits John the Baptist and his followers, one of five scenes on a two-sided frieze in colored inks and parchment made in the second quarter of the 12th century in the Alsace region on the border between France and Germany from manuscript additional 42497 in the British Library, London, England. St. Mark's forceful style and fast pace 
gives his gospel the feel of an eyewitness account of John's baptism of the repentant in the River Jordan. Most scholars believe the eyewitness was St. Peter, traditionally seen as St. Mark's mentor. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. The illustration is a detail of John the Baptist from the Harrowing of Hades, a 16th century temper and guilt on panel Russian Orthodox icon of the resurrection. St. Mark describes John's manner of dress and his eating habits neither behavior characteristic of a king in verse 6. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. The illustration is a detail of John the Baptist, one of three scenes in an early 16th century altarpiece made for the monastery of St. Anthony in Eisenheim in the Alsace region of France, now at the Musée de Unterlinden in Colmar, France. St. Mark makes the connection between John the Baptist and Jesus Christ by quoting the humble words of John in verses 7 and 8. After he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose, I indeed baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In the first century, there is a widely, was a widely understood Hebrew and Roman principle that only slaves stooped to touch sandals. Later in this episode, I will discuss the difference between John's form of baptism and the Christian sacrament of baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Illustration is an early 15th century icon in tempera and gold on panel by Andre Rubljot at the Tretyakov Gallery, Moscow, Russia. St. Matthew used the term preached only three times. St. Mark uses it six times. The term comes from St. Jerome's Vulgate Bible, a translation into Latin in which several Greek words were merged into a single Latin word, pedicari, which means to proclaim, usually in public. St. Jerome's translation was carried forward into the King James Version in 1611 AD. The illustration is an early 20th century mosaic of St. John the Baptist in one of the domes of the Church of the Dormition, or Assumption in Western Church practice, a Benedictine church built upon the foundations of an early 5th century church which was destroyed by Persians in the 7th century and to which entry is gained through the 12th century wall of a crusader church on the same site. St. Jerome's liberty with the original Greek can be overcome if you know some of the original Greek words which have slightly different meanings than the judgmental word preach. Some of these are caruso or procaruso, both of which mean to proclaim or to herald, or the most importantly, euangelizo, which means to proclaim or to herald the truth of the Euangelion, the gospel, or in English, the good news. Theoretically, one who 
preaches is supposed to proclaim the gospel and is therefore more accurately called an evangelist than a preacher. The baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist, the forerunner and last prophet of the Old Testament, is described in St. Mark's usual concise, terse style in words suggesting the fulfillment of a plan in verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. The illustration is a late 19th century stained glass window of the baptism of Jesus in the Munich style at St. Clement's Church on the Channel Island of Jersey. Baptism is one of the two sacraments of the church which were ordained by Jesus Christ. It should be understood that John's primitive form of baptism with water represents different symbolism than the Christian sacrament of baptism, where John baptized people to prepare them for Christ's coming. Christian baptism brings them into the presence as spoken in the administration of baptism into themselves of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, who had no sins to confess joined himself to the many followers of St. John by submitting himself to baptism by John. The illustration is Franz Mayer of Munich's second quarter 20th century stained glass window of the baptism at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light. Another literary characteristic of St. Mark's Gospel is the repeated use of immediate. He uses immediate 41 times. Immediate implies direct causation, reinforcing his statement in verse 1 that Jesus is the Son of God. In a literary sense, the use of immediate also speeds up the pace of the narrative. He uses immediate or immediately for the first time in his account of the follow-up to the baptism of Jesus in verses 10 and 11, which offer a rare glimpse of all three divine persons of the Holy Trinity. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This concept of immediacy is invoked, evoked again in verse 12 in St. Mark's two-verse account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness in which the role of, the, of Satan and angels are mentioned. Immediately, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast and the angels ministered to him. While it lacks the detail provided in St. Matthew's Gospel, St. Mark's account reinforces the theme of Jesus as a servant of the Father by the declaration that the Holy Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness, where he was, quote, ministered to by God's angels. The illustration is a late 19th century watercolor, another by James Tissot. In verses 14 and 15, St. Mark identifies for the first time the purpose or mission of Jesus' incarnation and also signals the start of his adult ministry in Galilee. 
where St. Matthew wrote many times of the kingdom of God, St. Mark uses the term only four times. The first one of his, in his own narrative and one spoken by Jesus is in verses 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The illustration is a late 16th, early 17th century fresco of Christ Pentocrator surrounded by the saints, including the Blessed Virgin and John the Baptist at Seslavsky Monastery, also known as St. Nicola Monastery, outside Sofia City in Bulgaria. St. Mark's introduction to the start of Jesus' ministry in Galilee is also marked by the introduction of the first four of the disciples with his account of St. Peter, St. Mark's mentor, and Peter's brother Andrew in verses 16, 17, and 18. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. The illustration is Fishers of Men, a second quarter 20th century depiction of the event by Franz Mayer of Munich in the nave at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, again from the AIC bookstore publication, Paintings on Light. The calling of the second pair, James and John, the sons of the fisherman Zebedee, is recounted in verses 19 and 20, which again features St. Mark's emphasis on immediacy. There is no mention, as there is in St. Matthew's account, of Jesus teaching either pair. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the, with the hired servants and went after him. The illustration is the calling of St. James and St. John, another in the Life of Christ watercolors by James Tissot from the late 19th century at the Brooklyn Museum. Other AIC resources for topics discussed in this episode are in Epiphany, the Manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles, Mark 1, verses 1 to 11, the account of the baptism of Jesus is discussed in episode 3 with the podcast homily for the same Sunday linked from the podcast homilies page. From the Lives of the Saints, from the first series, St. Andrew is the focus of episode 1, John of 4, Mark of 7, John the Baptist of 10, Peter of 11, and James of episode 12. From the AIC Bookstore Publications, from our newest book, The Gospel of Mark, Annotated and Illustrated, material covered in the episode is found in the preface and in part one. Mark and his gospel, including the book's history, intended audience, style, unique content, themes, and the location of Mark's remains, and from chapter one, the genealogy of Jesus, the baptism and temptations of Christ, and the calling of the first four apostles. 
The illustrations in the slide are the cover image from the Pericope Book of Henry II and the opening page of Chapter 1 from the Benedictional of Ethelwald, produced at Winchester, England, between 963 and 984, from Manuscript Additional 49598, Folio 25, in the British Library, London, England. Layman's Lexicon, words and phrases of interest are angels and archangels, 10 to 13, baptism, 23 to 25, faith, 73 to 74, gentile or gentiles, 86 to 87, gospel, 94 to 96, kingdom, 127 to 129, messiah, 146 to 147, miracles, 156, Septuagint 204-205, and Synoptic Gospels 218. From the writing prophets of the Old Testament, themes and quotations from Isaiah with illustrations are discussed on pages 13-20, to 20, Malachi on pages 111-116. From Paintings on Light, the stained glass windows of St. Joseph's Fellow Chapel, the Baptism of Christ is depicted on page 13 and Fishers of Men on page 27. Finally, there is Father Ron's blog, a page on our website featuring information on the latest projects, videos, and publications. Entries usually include an illustration from the featured series. You can reach the blog page by clicking the links at the top or the bottom of any page on our website, or by entering the direct URL address www anglicaninternetchurch.net right slash blog with blog in all small letters. By clicking on the follow internet church legend in the right hand column and afterward entering your email address, you can receive notice of each new posting from our site host wordpress.com. Please be assured that we do not share information with any other organization. Thank you for joining me for Episode 7 in New Testament Gospels. Next time in Episode 8, I will continue the discussion of the text of St. Mark's Gospel with St. Mark's focus on miracles or signs with a discussion of the first nine of 18 miracles and on the theme of the demonstration of divine power over demons or evil spirits and over sicknesses. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and use its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.